Welcome to the Sermon Podcast of Kusada Baptist Church. We want to be a lighthouse to guide you on your journey through life. Listen as our pastor, Dr. Jim Graham, shares a message from God's Word and offers sound biblical direction for your daily life. We are in the middle of a sermon series called If You Believe, and the premise is if you truly believe that God is who He says He is, and how he wants to relate to us, then there are certain things that we would do in response to that. Now, uh, last week what we talked about was what do we do when God gives us vague directions? So he says something like, two weeks ago, fill this valley full of ditches. And we go, how many ditches is that? Or last week he said, Get as many jars as you can. Well, how many jars would you get? And that's a real dilemma for us when we get kind of vague instructions. Instructions that make it dependent on what is my level of faith and what is my level of effort. And and then how, how much God responds to us back depends on what we do. Like how much do I really believe in his capability and what he will do and how much effort will I give? So that's what we talked about last week. And so the tendency is us for to think, well, um, it would be easier if God gave very specific directions. He said, do exactly this. Now it'd be easy for me. (laughs) Well, let's think about that. (coughs) Excuse me. (coughs) So our example was what happens when, you know, the teacher gives an assignment in school and they say, I want you to write a paper. And so we say three to five pages. You know, they say, well, we want them to say, and we say, how many? What's the minimum required? And we hope they say something like three to five pages. What we really don't want them to say is the vague thing that says, I just want you to do a great job. We're like, oh, no, right, you know? What does that mean? Except there's two of you in here Goes sounds like two sentences to me. All right, you know who you are. Uh, but most of us, we're like, oh, no. Like, I, uh, can you be, please give us specifics? That sounds good, unless the specifics are something like this. Times New Roman, size 12 font, double-spaced, 15 pages. Oh, why did I ask, right? Oh. Uh, See, sometimes the very specific also becomes a problem. So the question we're going to answer today and we're going to ask is, if you really believe and, and he gives you specific directions, will you obey? Will you do it? Because sometimes in those specific directions, they're things that are uncomfortable. Like I'm perfectly good at obeying and listening and doing, unless it's, what if it's something I don't like? What if it's something that I don't feel like I have the capacity to do? What if it's something that I'm, a, I'm kind of afraid of how it would go? Or I mentioned being a teacher's helper. There might be somebody who goes like, oh, I, I'll be a helper But what if God asks you to do a level that's not the level you want? Like, I don't want you to, I want you to be in charge of it. Like, oh, you know, I'll just show up and help you. I don't want to be in charge of the project, right? 
So there are things that God could say to us that are very specific that we go, I don't know if I want to do that, and they hinder us. And so sometimes we, we walk around in life and we're, we're dealing with things and he's given us very specific things to do, like tell other people the good news of Jesus Christ. Hmm, that's very uncomfortable. We said, I'll do it if all of these factors line up exactly right, then I'll do it because it won't be uncomfortable. Or he tells us to do things like tithe and we're like, oh, that's very challenging. Well, if all of these situations line up, then I'll do it. And so, will we obey when we're going to God? We're saying, God, I've got an issue. What do we do? So, our story today is from 2 Kings chapter 5. And it's about a fellow named Naaman. Now, Naaman was a general in an army, in an army in a country called Aram. And he was very successful in what he did. He was brave, he was valiant, he was successful. So he was highly valued by the king. The king thought, like, this is my guy, okay? And so uh, he'd done great things, won great battles and great victories. But then Naaman contracted a disease in their day that was very prevalent and... Uh, very dangerous leprosy he contracted leprosy and now he he is desperate he's desperate to do anything that he could possibly do well somewhere along the lines in his exploits and one of his victories it, it was not unusual to literally capture people and make them your slaves or servants and he did that he captured some, uh, a little girl, and, and she was an Israelite. And he had captured her, and he had given her to his wife to be her servant. And this young girl served her, her mistress, and she was from Israel. She knew the one true God. And so when Naaman contracted leprosy, she told his wife, she said, hey, there's a God in Israel, and there's a prophet there who is a prophet of this God, and I'm quite sure that he can heal this leprosy. Well, when Naaman gets this information, he's willing to try anything. And so he goes to the king and says, will you allow me to leave the country and go check this out, go try this? Well, the king, he wants his guy back, and he's like, we'll try anything. And so Naaman gathers up a lot of money. He feels like this medical procedure, whatever's going to happen, is going to cost a lot of money. He gathers a lot of money, some other gifts, uh, and the king gives him uh, letters of passage. So today you would have a passport. And if you were traveling, this would be your documentation that would prove who you were, where you were from, that kind of thing. Well, in their day, they would literally get a physical letter from the king stating who this was, and what their purpose was. And of course, this letter stated who Naaman was and that he was really on a peaceful mission, not, I mean, he's a military guy. Is he there to scout? Is he there to stir up trouble? No, he's there uh, for medicine. Now, we, we can relate to this. There, there are people in this room that you or a loved one have loaded up and gone to Houston 
to MD Anderson. You've loaded up and gone to Minnesota to the Mayo Clinic. Like because there's some medical, there's something there that they have that we don't have and we want to go try that. That's what he was doing. And in his mind, that's what he's doing. He doesn't believe in God. He doesn't know about miracles or the creator God. In his mind, I'm going to this other place for a medical procedure. And so he loads up his little entourage with the money and everything, and he travels to Israel, and he presents the king of Israel with the letter. And the king gets the letter, and when he reads it, he reads this. The letter said, I'm sending my servant Naaman to you so that you may cure him of his leprosy. And the king goes, oh no. Oh, oh what do you mean? Me? I can't. He literally says, am, am I God? Am I God to do something like this? Like, I can't do this. And then he begins to tear his clothes. Now that sounds weird. In their day, one of the main signs of mourning, let's say you, you experienced a tragedy, you're, one of your close loved ones died, and you go into mourning, you're grieving. One of the symbolic things that people would do was they would literally rip their clothes to show that I'm in severe grief here. And so he does this. He's ripping his clothes and he's thinking like, I'm in deep trouble. He's thinking this is going to lead to a war. This king wants me to do something that I can't do. This guy's expecting me to do something that I can't do. He even starts speculating, is this a setup? Like, is he picking a fight? Is he trying to provoke me and, and create a situation where I can't do what he's asking me to do? And then he's going to come fight me? Like, like what, what's going on here? And he falls into a panic. Now, I think it's interesting that the little girl clearly said, there is a God in Israel... And there is a man of God, there's a prophet of God, and if you go see him, I think he can heal, he can cure your disease. But he didn't go there. He doesn't go to Elisha, the prophet, he goes to the king. Now I want to say to you, I think sometimes we make this same mistake. We go to the wrong source, to the wrong provider to get the answers that we think. I understand what he's thinking. He's thinking the most powerful person there would be the king. So I will go to the most powerful person. But it's not acknowledging that there's a more powerful being. And that's God. And sometimes we feel the same way. I know that there are people that feel like we have problems and the government needs to solve these problems. The government needs to do this, right? Or maybe the most powerful person in your, your life are your parents. And you're thinking, well, they need to solve this dilemma. They need to solve it. I literally talked to someone this week, and they were going, they were telling me, but my mom, my mom, I've always gone to my mom, and now my mom says, I can't do this. Now, what am I going to do? I'm like, well, you're going <laughs> to be responsible, right? Like, uh, you know, we, we tend to go to the people. It might be your boss. I don't know who it is in your life, but we tend to go sometimes to the wrong source. You need to know something. A God-sized problem 
needs a God-sized answer. That's why the king says, am I God? Right? Am I God? Now, I, I kind of get that Naaman made a mistake. I get it. What I'm, what I'm really confused by is the way the king responds. I don't get that. You know, Jesus himself said to us in John 14, 6, he, he, it's recorded that he said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. I'm the way. Don't go there, don't go there, don't go there. I'm the answer. Now, I know Naaman didn't understand this, but, but the king should have known. Why is the king tearing his robes? Why is the king grieving? Why is the king going into mourning? Elisha hears about this and sends a message to the king, his own king, and says, why have you torn your robes? Send him to me. Why, why are you grieving? Why are you upset? Send him to me. Like he should have known. Like, oh, you came over here to, you need an answer from God? Go talk to the prophet of God right there. He'll connect you. Like, there, there you go. Like, go to him. Why? You see, sometimes we do this. We think we're, we're the parent. We're the person we think we're responsible. And we start going, oh, well, I got this. What am I going to do? How am I going to handle this? How am I going to carry this weight? What am I going to do to solve this? This dilemma that we have, and, and, and it's on me, and I've got to figure it out, and I've got to do something about it, and I don't know what I'm going to do, and we're the ones tearing our robes, and God's going like, what are you doing? Come to me. Come to me. Well, he sends him to Elisha's house after he gets the message, and so Naaman goes to Elisha's house. Okay, gets his entourage, they load back up, they get on their horses, and they head over there, and they get to Elisha's house. And, and, and Naaman has a picture in his head of how this is going to go. We all do this. He's imagined how it's going to go. It literally says in the scripture that he expects Whoever this person is that's going to do this healing, that they're going to come out and they're going to look him over and say, show me the leprosy. Let's, let's take a look at it. And he's going to take his robes and kind of show him wherever the leprosy is. And he says he thought what he would do is then he would invoke this prayer. Like he's going to start talking to his God. And he's going to pray. And he says literally, and he's going to wave his hands over the area. And as he prays, he's going to wave his hands and heal me. And so he has this in mind exactly how this is going to go down. Well, he gets to Elisha's house, and Elisha doesn't even come outside. He doesn't even come and look at it. Can you imagine going to the doctor, right? Let's say you're going to the doctor, and the doctor just, you know, sends in, you know, some, some little clerk, and they says, listen, uh, you know, you're expecting them, the doctor will see you now. No, he comes out and says, the doctor's not coming to talk to you. Here's what you need to do. Yeah, but don't, I need him to look at the, you know, thing. Oh, he doesn't need to look at it. He already knows what's going on. Here's what you need to do. You need to go down to the Jordan River, and you need to get in it, and you need to dip yourself down in it seven times, and you'll be healed. And the scripture says Naaman was Furious. Furious. He felt slighted. 
He can't believe that Elisha won't even come out of the house and speak. I mean, he's an important guy, but he doesn't look at it. He doesn't talk to him, but he has in his mind what he thought was going to happen. Sometimes you and I can expect the wrong procedure, the wrong method. We think we've got it figured out. Even when we're praying to God and we've got a situation and we think, like I can think of a thing right now that I've been praying about and praying about for a long time. And I've, you know, I, I, can, I can see like a two or three different ways God could do it. You know, I've talked to him about it. You know, we could do this, you could do this, you could do this, you know. And we think about that. And the problem is, what if the solution is something else entirely? And, there, and therefore, we, we miss it. We, we reject it because it's not what we thought it was going to be. Do you know when Jesus showed up that there were people who studied the Scripture and who were expecting a Messiah to come that the Scripture talked about, and He's standing right in front of them, and they missed it. And the reason was, He didn't come and do what they thought He was going to do. We didn't think he would come as a baby born, you know, and come from Nazareth. We didn't think he would grow up in Nazareth. They had a huge problem with that. We weren't expecting Nazareth. They were expecting a military leader who would gather support and fight the Romans, and he wasn't doing that. And so they missed him and dismissed him and totally missed what God was doing because they were looking for the wrong thing. In 1 Kings, this is 2 Kings, in 1 Kings there's a story in chapter 19 that I really love. And it's about Elisha's mentor, a prophet named Elijah. Elijah, And Elijah uh, was told, God says, I want to meet with you, I want to talk with you, I've got something important I need to tell you. Go up in the mountain right there and I'm going to come meet with you. So he goes up in the mountain and he gets in a little cave and he's waiting for God to show up to tell him this important thing. And while he's waiting, a, a huge storm comes and it's like a tornado comes and, you know, comes by. And he's going, God's here, like this, God's showing up, God's about to tell me this really, really important thing. And it literally says in the scripture, but God was not in the wind. He's like, oh. So he keeps waiting. And then an earthquake comes. Shakes everything, you know, and all things like, well, okay, God's here now. And it literally says, but God was not in the earthquake. Okay. Well, I guess during the storm, lightning had struck, and there was a, it had started a forest fire, and this fire sweeps through, so he's huddled up in his cave, and this fire is raging by outside and he's like okay God's showing up God's here it's time you know God what do you have to say and it says and God was not in the fire anybody know then what it says God did anybody he whispered and then he whispered to him and he told him what he needed to tell him the lesson in that story is is sometimes we're looking for God in a certain way, and we miss God. Because we're so locked in to the picture in our mind of how this is going to go down that we don't leave room for God to be God. And we miss it. We need to be praying, God, 
Open my eyes. Open my heart. Let me be aware of wherever you want me to live, whatever you want me to do, and however you want to do it. And I'm open to it. But Naaman had a huge problem. It, it literally says he stomped off in a rage. He was so mad that this wasn't what he thought it was going to be. But it wasn't just the procedure, the praying thing. He also was upset that he sent him to the Jordan River. Now, you've got to picture this place in your mind. He's like, what? even if I were to go get in the river and dip seven times, why the Jordan River? Look, we're from Alabama. We kind of have a definition of a river for us. You know, it's a pretty big place. All right. Now, look, when we go down to the park in Millbrook and we look at that little thing that's dribbling by the playground, we don't call that a river. Or maybe you're going the other direction and you go up here to 14 and you head towards Watoka and you cross a little bridge right there and that's called Mortar Creek. I'm just going to tell you right now that Mortar Creek is real similar to what they call the Jordan River. No, 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 no. You get on I-65, you go down that way, you cross, there's a big body of water. You cross that thing, that's a river. That's a river. All right? So when he says, go get in Jordan River, we would call it Jordan Creek. Okay? And it was muddy. And there are literally places you can jump across this thing. Okay? You know, you can get out halfway in it, and it's up to here, and you're halfway in it, okay? There's some places it's a little wider, but it's nothing like, you know, what we call a river, right? And so, he's like the Jordan River. He says, where I come from, my homeland, there are two rivers that are way more impressive than this river. They're beautiful, they're grand, the water's clear, it's lovely. You know, we swim there, we do all this stuff. If you want me to go dip in something to be cleansed, why not there? There are far better places. Sometimes, my friend, we miss what God is doing because we are expecting the wrong place. The wrong place. Here, at this job, I thought, God, you would take me to another job. In this place? In Prattville? In Elmore? I thought it would be somewhere else. Here, in a 9.45 a.m. service on a Sunday in Kosada? Like, I thought there would be a different place. And we miss it. Because we didn't want to walk that path in that location, in this hospital, in this house, in this place. He turned and walked off in a rage. Fortunately, he had a very wise person with him. And this wise person said to him, You're a great man. You are a great man. You have done great things. And, and I have a theory. And my theory is that if that guy had told you to do some monumental great task, you would have done it. Because you're a person who would do great things. It's kind of odd. We're the same way. I mean, if God came to us and says, listen, you want this situation resolved? I got something you need to do. And here's this big thing I need you to do. And you go, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do this thing, this hard thing. Somehow we feel like, you know, 
We're supposed to pay. We're supposed to be punished. We're supposed to do some level of service or do something. And yet, God tells us this simple thing. And we're like, we expected the wrong process. We expected the wrong process. We thought it would be a different type of thing. The wrong procedure, right? The wrong process. We thought that we had to do something. And so, there's simple things we're supposed to do, right? We're this way about things like losing weight, right? Like, if somebody told us some big special thing we had to do, you know, we're like, oh, I'll sign me up. You know, I'll do that six-week thing. I have to do all this stuff. And yet, and then they tell us, See, what you need to do is like eat right and exercise like every day. And we go like, uh, no. That's way too, you know, no. Can I do this other, can I do this thing? And I need you to know that sometimes it's not this thing. You're not going to the Abana River where it's beautiful. No, you're going down to Jordan Creek. And this is what I need you to do. Well, thankfully, because of his friend, he agreed. He agreed. He goes down to the Jordan River. He gets in it. He dips seven times in the muddy water. And he comes out healed. An amazing transformation. It says his skin even reverted all the way back to like when he was a boy. And so he ret- now he goes back to Elisha's house. This time very humble. He stomped off in a rage when he left before. He comes back very humble. He's healed. And he makes a proclamation. He says, now I know there's no other God in the, all the world except the one that's here. And I will never again make burnt offerings or sacrifices to any other God but the Lord. Now I know, if you believe, that's our premise, if you believe, you would follow Him, you would know, right? And so in the final scene, Naaman offers all this money he's brought. He says, now can can I pay you for your services? I mean, you've done this amazing thing for me. Now, let me pay you. Have you ever felt obligated? You know what I mean? Sometimes we, we, we hate so much to feel obligated that we don't even want to do stuff that will tie us in, right? And so he felt obligated. He wanted, he wanted to pay. He wanted to feel like what you've done for me, uh, I've, you know, I've given to you so, you know, we're even. We're even. Like, I don't want to owe you, Right? I want to feel like we're whatever. And, and Elijah says, I'm not taking a dime. I won't take a dime. In other words, you're going you're gonna to ride off from here and you're always going to feel like you owe me. You're going to feel like you can't pay. You see, sometimes what you need to understand something. We expect the wrong price. Like sometimes we're living our life and we think that what we can do is we can, we can pay for. We're... we're We're spending our life repaying God because He has forgiven me of my sins. And so now I'm I'm repaying Him. The very thought of that is ridiculous. Like, you can't repay Him. The price is all wrong. You don't have enough. You didn't bring enough. How do you repay? How do you even repay somebody curing you of leprosy? Well, He cured you 
of hell and damnation and sin. He's forgiven you. You can't pay for that. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. Paul wrote to the Ephesians. He says, you've been saved through faith and it's not from yourself. It's not anything you've done. It's a gift of God. And so, I want you to know there's no price you can pay. But my premise for all this is to go back and to ask you the question, like, what is going on in your life as you seek God? And maybe He hasn't said to you, I've got this vague thing, how much will you do? That's what we talked about last week. No, no, no. What if you're sitting here today, and somebody's sitting here today, and God's told you exactly what you need to be doing? Exactly. There's something in your life you need to do. There's something in your life you need to stop doing. There's something you need to say or don't say. Like he's told you exactly. If you pray right now, when we bow our heads and you say, God, I've been talking about this thing. What do you, what do you need? To, what do I need to do? You told Naaman what to do. Tell me, what do I need to do? And he says, do this. The question is, will you do it? What if it's uncomfortable? What if it's not what you wanted to hear? What if it's something that you're a little afraid of? Will you do it? Will you trust Him? Maybe He even says to you, I've told you a hundred times already. I've already been telling you. This is what you need to do. When are you going to do the basic thing I already told you? I already told you to go to the Jordan River and dip seven times. Just do it. Quit, quit negotiating with me. Right? Quit negotiating. Can I go to a different place? Can I dip three times? Will you accept this? Will you accept that? Quit negotiating. Just say, okay, God, let me wipe out what I thought was going to happen and accept what you're telling me and do what you want me to do. You just tell me I'm in. That's our response, if you really believe. So let me pray for you right now. Would you bow your heads? Close your eyes. The musicians are coming for us to sing our closing song. Let's just pray together. Dear Lord, here we are. Tell us. Help us to set aside what we thought was going to happen, what we thought you would do, how we expected it to go. Help us to set aside our own discomfort, our own fears. Help us, Lord, to just be open and help us to be willing. Help us to be obedient. Lord, I want to follow you. I do trust you. I'm asking you to step in my life. And whatever you tell me in this moment, I'm in. I'm in. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. It is our prayer that it's been helpful in this part of your life journey. We invite you to join us at Kusada Sunday mornings for worship. Visit our website at kusadabaptist.org for directions and more information about our church.